I, I bought two of the same car. You know what that's like to explain to your wife? <laughs> I like literally was like, I bought an S2 Avant and I bought an RS2. Ryan Scotto, and now we're in. Yeah, Good yeah. to see you, man. <laughs> but like, yeah. no, I'll it's probably move some of that stuff in. All right, so we covered Brian Scotto's Coupe Quattro and Chemblock's Sport Quattro, building an app for Siemens, that sort of stuff, in episode one of the Scotto interview. Now we're moving on to uh, some of the stuff he's got going on. Covered a lot of ground here. We started covering his RS2 towards the end of episode one. So if you missed that, go back and listen to that part first, and then come back to this. We'll start uh, talking about shipping it over and everything going on with that. A little bit more about the RS2, and then we wander a lot of ways. So hope you enjoy it. And they came back on the same ship. Five days, and that's what I came home with. And they came back on the same ship. They came home on the same ship, yeah. Fortunately, not the Felicity Ace. Yeah, yeah, definitely not the Felicity Ace. Trust me, that the funny thing is is because our cars came back on a Volkswagen ship. Yeah, via Jamie. So like, right? Yeah, through, through Jamie. So, like, it could have very well have been the Felicity Ace. So, like, when I saw that, it wasn't funny to me. I was Did like, you? Oh, I, dude, so, so I bought, during the pandemic, I bought a, a, C, a C1 Coupe S, like yep, a V8 yep. Quattro swap car. Yep. And that car, when, when it got back, so I, it, I went back and checked. It came over on the Goodwood. I was curious. But, like, but it, I did screen captures because I was watching it come the whole way across. I got some app where you can track the, you know, yeah. track the boat. But when we got it, there's some cool stuff to it, but it needs some work. It's a bit of a Frankenstein. We yeah. pulled the rear seat out, and the, the battery had been mounted underneath the seat, and he hadn't had a cover on top of the terminals, and then the, the steel kind of crisscross pieces on the bottom of the, oh. of the rear bench seat. Like it was the, the foam was the yeah, and the foam was kind of charred and burnt. And I was like, and then I saw that fire. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> what what would have happened to me if my car would have burnt down? It's so <laughs> funny you say that because I thought to myself, man, if that would have happened on our like trip over, the good chance was it would either be my S2 or Ron's <laughs> Longia that would yeah. have caught that fire. Yeah. <laughs> Did I feel bad? I think Farrah's car is on that, isn't it? I the, heard that. Yeah. yeah, I guess Farrier was who did you get like a GT3 or something? Yeah. Yeah, G- uh, uh, Spider. Yeah, 718. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that was unfortunate. But yeah, I they're basically identical other than, you know, the things that make an RS2 an RS2. But so, so the yeah. wheels you got to do on this car uh, that I would suggest if you're asking, I don't know if you're asking. I'm not a, I like dials. I don't like dials on those cars because I feel like they're period incorrect. So sure. I'm going to tell you a different period incorrect wheel which is the uh, the 959 wheels they did. So like the, the, the 959 wheels, what the cup one sort of design evolves from. Right. So it's largely just like nine, 959 is like a beefier cup one with like a center lock, right? And, oh, and I think Rotiforms has like a cap on it. I don't think it's a center yeah, lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I photoshopped cool. it. I'll send it to you. Nice, nice, nice. It's not black, but you'll get the idea. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah I... Um... Yeah, like I said, I also really like how the stock cups work, so we'll see. I, I have been a big fan of phone dials since I was a kid. And I had yeah. a set of phone dials from my Mark One, um, where you know my wife's got phone dials on her 944. It, it's just a, it's a, just a cool wheel. So I'll sort that one out and play around. But this car, probably the only thing I'll change is the wheels, so I'll probably change them quite a bit. So I mean, now with our relationship with Wheel Pros, I 
kind of got you know, the opportunity to run a bunch of different road forms on my car. So, and Kinesis as well. So um, yeah, there's a, uh, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff with that, but yeah, the other car I'm going to build into a somewhat kind of, you know, fun dad mobile, not that the RS2 isn't a fun dad mobile, but I want like a good sleeper, like, you know, 600 horsepower kind of S2. And then I'll probably, I'll probably keep that for like a year or so. And then at some point I got to start selling some of these cars. <laughs> <laughs> Or if you just had a warehouse, which yeah, right? yeah. the space runs out pretty quickly. Does it? Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I know we're running out of time. A couple questions I'm going to ask you. The Audi deal. Yep. Um, I think it's fantastic that you guys are tied in now. It's one of the reasons why I was getting like, I was getting cold feet about my Quattro. And then you guys take your cars to see them and everybody's like, oh, Quattros are great. I was like, yeah, Ryan, I don't think I wanted <laughs> We had this whole joke that I have been, I'm just manipulating the marketplace. Right. Like I've been buying, like I knew this deal was coming for like two years now. So I've just been buying up as many old Audis as I can. And then everyone's like, no one likes D11s. And then, you know, <laughs> you should have bought our Quattro. Everybody <laughs> wants a D11 now. So. Well, I'll tell you, seeing Ken flogging that thing around the track was. So. I don't think Ken said this on camera, but Ken said that that was way more fun than driving the S1. Was it? Yeah, and I think a lot of it had to do with that the car was just more balanced to slide yeah. on asphalt. Where, like, look, we all know that the S1 was a fantastic machine in the dirt, but right. to be quite frank, like, you know, they got beat in, you know, the way, the places they did get beat was in right. tarmac. It just didn't rotate. But, I mean, you can see, like, in this one, like, he's, you know, he's letting it slide out a little bit here, like, he really, really loved this car. And the funny thing was, you know, you have to understand Ken's knowledge of Audi, you know, going into this deal was almost 100% around the stuff that they did in Rally, right? Like, that's what he knows, right? Yeah. So F1, Pikes Peak, all the all of that. And then he knew, like, the, the crazy DTM era. But like this was sort of that weird in between, right? This is their first DTM car that they ever ran, their first right. V8 car, and like this is more of a like car that like you and I geek over. It's like a stock body car. It doesn't have like the GTO or the Trans Am kind of body. Right. Kit, like what Ken was more interested in is the the wild look. So I was the one who set up the cars for him to drive. So oh, I was like, okay, we're gonna do S1 E2. We're gonna do the. Um, the uh was it the rso2 we're gonna do the and then we're gonna do the um uh that the uh the v8 uh dtm d11 and you know i so i lined them all up and like you know he was obviously stoked about driving the prototype and uh, he came there to drive the s1 e2 and then the last thing he had to drive was the v8 he was kind of like oh all right like not that he didn't want to drive it but like he felt like his day was right. old. he felt like Oh, like we're saving this for last. Like I already drove those other two cars, and he got in that thing, and he just loved it. I mean, it revs to eleven grand. Does like, it, it really? Yeah, it's a monster of a of a V eight, and it sounds amazing. And even though it's this massive body, it's uh, it's just really, really, really like fun to drive. He said he he was he walked away being like, I need one of those. You think some of that might have been contact patch? Like it's not over tired. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely it. I mean, yeah. it, it's fun because it's probably like a, you know, 245 on it or something. Right. Although, have you ever watched, there's a, there's a video on YouTube of Walter Rawl talking about how great that car was and no. about how, like, 
he that he was just so confident in it that he could just overtake the BMWs and the Mercedes and he could pressure people through corners and I mean he talks very lovingly about that car and I feel like it's it's like the unsung hero of Audi. You I mean they're they're a deal. They're not going to be because now you're talking about them, so right? <laughs> like yeah, we're gonna, yeah, yeah. I mean you guys are already driving it and seeing the video. I think somebody remarked to me how I think the Germans were seeing the price <laughs> prices go up on the V8s, <laughs> but like V8s are. You know they're not expensive here in the U.S. at all. No, I just bought one for a thousand bucks. Like yeah. they're they're not cars that like people care about. The two hundred twenty valve, especially the Avant, is like the cared for that body style, right? I, right. I, I want to say T forty four, but like T one one, T four forty four. At the end of the day, it's it's the same chassis. It's very similar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same. You can unbolt the parts and bolt them back together. Right. Um like that chassis and you know from the 5000 forward like you know I, it's not one of the cars that i think the enthusiasts really love outside of the 220 valve and the 220 valve is like this small audience but it's not the love that people have for like the rs4 you know or any right. of the other kind of like those cars right like that that generation was just was just more loved and but i the d11 like if you look at it it's a really good looking car like the fend the way the flares it, it's really if you think about it like that car to me is very similar to like the you know the 500e from um you know mercedes where like the only thing that made it really stand out was the flares and that is kind of a design language that carries forward in the rs4s and, and the other rs's right like, it looks just like the other bodies. It looks very similar to a 5,000, you know, or whatever, 100, 200, depending on where you live. Um, but the flares, like, kind of make it just look a little bit tougher. And that flare made the wheel presence fit but better. There's a All subtle... All lights and the hood, you know, the original hood that wrapped around the nose that ended up creating right. a design language for Audi for years to come, you know? So. There's, there's a subtlety to it, too, though, that, like it harkens an era where like that sort of subtlety was known and appreciated where like you look at today's rs6 i love the current rs6 i own one but like it's yeah. it's a cartoon of a car compared to mm -hmm. what this is with just those flares that still made such a big difference or like like you said the, the mild kind of facelift they did on the nose for that thing when they went from yep. the 200 to that the, the bumpers the grill um what i love about that too is it comes from like a, a, an era in race car that's like uh, you, you know, you're starting at that with that era of DTM, the E30, this car, and then you get to it through like the BTCC and SCW when they shifted from like DTM to, to touring car. And even there, like the B5, like it's just the, it's the B5 with like a wing and a chin spoiler and big, yep. big OZs. And like, it looks like the car you're commuting to work in unlike yeah. pretty much every racing series now. And like, let's talk about the B5 RS4, right? Cause you and I were, you know, kind of came up in cars during an era where that was, you know, the holy grail, right? right. I mean, when the B5 RS4 landed in America, I mean, landed in Europe, and a few people got them here in America, like Todd Richards and so on, like that car looked so cool. But you realize that, like, if I parked that car in front of my mom next yeah. to an S4 and next to an A4, she, she probably couldn't tell the difference, right? Yeah. Like, all B5s kind of look like. And if you, I, when I talk to like my, like my friends who grew up on Japanese cars, like they don't get it. They're like, wait, so that, why is that one worth like five times as much? Right. And you're like, they're like, is the engine very different? Mm, mm, no, it's like, no, they just did these flares and this bumper yeah. is different. Cosworth too, like, but I mean, yeah, it's not, the, it's but, but like there was something that was like, you know, that just added to it. Right. Like right. there was this little extra thing that like made it 
that cool you know yeah. and, and like even to me like i will admit i tried to convince myself that the s2 and the rs2 were basically interchangeable like i tried to tell myself that like eh, i don't really love the 993 mirrors like I, they, they, like i actually don't mind the stock mirrors i actually do prefer the rs uh, the s2 bumper to the rs2 so do i right i, I just think it i think yeah. the rs2 bumper is ruined to me because like it was the shogun kit bumper of the european kid right like, every single car had an rs2 knockoff bumper whether it was a polo or yeah, like, yeah. you know a golf or whatever everyone had the rs2 I, I have like 10 friends who had corrados with rs2 bumpers on it so it did that for me but when i bought the car and i drove it i was like oh yeah there's something all the little pieces just all come together like, really all the little stuff, I, it, it just, like, I, I still like my S2. I've actually driven my S2 way more since it's gotten back to the States than I drive my RS2, mainly because I don't mind street parking it. Like, right. no, to most people, it's just the old Audi station wagon. They have no idea that it's it's cool, right? Right. Um, but the RS2, like, it, it just has a presence. Like, it sits next to the S2, and I'm like, eh, there's just something about it. And I think that that's where, like, true Audi fans, like, kids who really, really like Audis for being that car that, that that's what makes an Audi an Audi right is like the weird subtle nuance that like only you can see right that, I it's, like, it's like when you it's like people who can tell someone wearing a designer suit yeah right you're like oh I can tell that's a Tom Ford or whatever right like I can't I wear fucking t-shirts for a living but like <laughs> right. I but like I can see that in cars like that there's something cool about that so no, dude, I, to me the D2 I mean the D11 was sort of one of the first cars to do that you know yeah. Meanwhile, the D2, if you think about it, like, it's not really that much different than the, the S8 and the A8. Like, it's got the mirrors and, like, a different grill. But otherwise, it's like, and it's got, you know, obviously the Avis wheels. But, like, other than that, it's not very different. Like, it's just like, yeah, right, that's cool. You know, like, but it doesn't right. really stand out. Where, like, that car really kind of, like, looked like, it looked like a, a cooler class of car. Because they, all they were doing was just updating a body style that had been around since, what, like, 79 or something I yeah something like that they, I think early 80s. Out the original 5000 so right yeah no. uh, stuff i like meanwhile this is coming from the guy who put like over fenders that are like eight inches full well that's down. what i was gonna say I, I i gotta say one of the things i love are like the mods that like nobody notices but the geeks right like if i can do stuff that like you know you, you take it to like Waterfest, and three quarters of the people don't notice like that to me is the perfect like it's the perfect mod right that's going to be my 200 avant because you're yeah. going to look at it and you're going to go yeah cool and i'm going to be like dude i had to cut the fenders off the yeah. quarters off to make it look like a va but in the end no one's going to get it did <laughs> like you see the, a few audi guys who get it that's did it. you you saw the ursula px v8 uh avant there at the it's probably at the museum if not it's in the warehouse the, oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty rad. It's very Wait, cool. so you don't like Kaiser do like a Trans Am Avant or anything for you? <laughs> did you see what he built for the S2 Avant? I did. The TTM car, it's, which is it's uh, wild. But well, I sent him the photo. There's um there's an Audi 90 uh you know B4 that they had built into a touring car yeah. and never got raced, and it's sitting at tradition. And I, it's one of my favorite body kits I've ever seen. Yeah. So I took photos of that and I sent him that. And I said, what would this look like on a station wagon? You know, what would it look like on a Vaughn? Yeah. And that's what it became. I mean, he obviously added a lot of Kaiser to it. So it's yeah. like crazier than that. And he's like, dude, we should do this. And I was like, 
oh man it's just like one Although, like it, it gave me project car anxiety right well that i mean that's that was i think that thing was a dtm proposal but like the the great thing about that is it's like subtle it's it, it in the grand scheme of of what what b3 b4 uh race cars that dtm proposal is quite a bit more subtle than say a gto right like you could do like oh, the, the, the 90 yeah. gto uh avant but that would be yeah i mean speaking of cartoonish that would make... part of it is that, is that the wheel arches come back around at the bottom of the all right yeah like instead of just cutting like a u like they they come in and there's just something really cool about that so yeah it's it's uh it's it's a cool it's a cool project that he's been trying to be like, dude, we gotta build this, we gotta build this. And like, I haven't even finished my other Audis. Like, I have a long list of cars to get running. I can go longer, man. Can I got up up. I'm supposed to talk to Jamie Orr, and he's texting me, so I'm just gonna send him this photo and be like, we, sorry, doing a podcast. <laughs> what a set of an invite he can join in. Jamie's a friend. You know who's gonna be you know who's gonna be mad? I who I didn't invite to join the podcast for inviting people is gonna be Whipple. Whipple and I just talk shit. All we do is troll each other. We actually like each other, but what you wouldn't know. <laughs> but Jason's a good. I I knew him when he was at like uh, what was the place that moved to West Virginia? Because he's because he's, he's from Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no. He, well, he was from the East Coast, but then he was working up at Sonoma for um, Stasis. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they launched Rotiform and took over the world. Yeah, you know, those guys have done those guys have done a really cool thing. I mean, Rotiform is obviously was one of like the first wheel brands i mean like you know those guys and like you know then after like five two like who like kind of grew out of like the vw vortex i mean if you think about it like it's a brand that grew out of like the message forums and the culture and and all of that it's uh it's kind of cool to see that and it's it's really interesting to me how many people in the industry have come from like the Volkswagen scene and specifically Vortex. Yeah. Like there's a lot of people who now work outside of Volkswagens and Audis and all of that. I mean, you know, I did for years and I kind of came back to my roots to be playing with Audis and Volkswagens, but you know, I obviously did a ton of stuff outside of that space, right. including like donks. Um, but you know, it's, it's crazy how many people I'm like, you know, I talk to them like, oh, wait, oh, you were blah, blah, blah on Vortex. Like right. it's just yeah. funny that, what a community that created of people who went on to not only work in the industry, but be creators in the industry and stuff like that. It's when the web was still a small space, right? Like it was, it was kind of intimate. But yeah, I think, I mean, Jamie or not a surprise because he's Mr. Volkswagen, but like Pumphrey, I think was a regular on there. Um, Yeah. I I know like there are people who are writers that like bring a trailer and, and like the list goes on. A ton of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those like we'll have to at some point do like a like a VW Vortex reunion and you can like you know you wear your like hello my name is and you get to like <laughs> my username is username and then yeah. how many usernames you had banned you know so I think I think you had sent me a few messages where you were like I'm gonna have to ban you if you do this again <laughs> I tried to do my but I'll be honest I was like the one guy on that side who tried to stay away from certain parts of the forum or like moderating the forum as much as I could <laughs> right like because like it was no fun and like. That was, I mean, do you know Anthony Garbus? He mm-hmm. was like, he started like what, sixteen years old was I think the first time I met him, and like, yeah, and now he's at Audi Product Planner, and, and uh, but he was one of the he was one of the moderators who I think a lot of people resented <laughs> because he had to be the guy banning people. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny though. I mean, that whole like you know what what kind of grew out of that, and it's I miss the forum so much because 
you know, they just don't operate the way they used to. No. And like, you know, everything's kind of moved to like Facebook groups. I now belong to like 97 Audi Facebook groups. It's like, and you know, I went like, why can't these all be just one? Like why, like, why, yeah. like how do I, how do I belong to like nine different Audi yeah. Facebook groups, you know? And Instead anything one that- is only in Latvian. Right, right. So. And, and then like anything that has anything to do with part sales, there's always like the people from offshore with like shitty t-shirt designs. They're like trying, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to stuff, sell all their crap. Like, can we just, yeah, I miss the forums, but I don't really know. The web's a different space right now. It's not yeah. quite as. Yeah. I mean, the forums were just, that was the web for us, right? Like for our generation, the yeah. forum was, was the web. I mean, I, le- I still to this day will like, be looking up stuff like on like you know whether it's like you know like old audi forums whether it's like for you know like it's like fortitude's gone man they merged into vortex but it's all one now right yeah Yeah. like anthony at least in audi or or motor geek or you know all those old ones because they actually still have like long threads like people would spend time and like write like real diys that would go for ages that you could be like, oh, okay, that's how I do it. I mean, last night, for example, um, I was working on my swallowtail and I could not on the internet find a schematic of the fuse panel. Like I just couldn't find it because like pre-77 is like weird and ceramic fuses. And like I had to like, of course, text Jamie Orr, but like not everybody has Jamie Orr's phone number. Like, right. like that stuff has become way harder to find. Where back in the day, you could go in, use the search function, and some old dude who was like really angry at you would still write <laughs> the whole way. He would tell you first to use the search function. Yeah, right, exactly. He would give you all the links to where to go. But dude, the web the web was helpful back then, right? Like nowadays, I feel like there are too many, this is where the two, two old guys complain about the web. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. The, and the this moon is a, horizon. This is sky. a podcast. Yeah, it is. Two well, old yeah. guys complaining about the internet <laughs> is a podcast. Right. But it is, it's not fun anymore. It's not like nobody's trying to help each other out. They're just trying to gain the system for more clicks. And like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's interesting because, like, in some ways, I look at YouTube and I think to myself, like, man, if I would have had YouTube when I first started building cars, it would have been so much easier to learn. Totally. Where, yeah. like, for me in like early 2000s, like, I, I got into Volkswagens in like 97, but like, I really started working on my own stuff in like 2000, 2001. And so much of it was just becoming friends with people who also worked on cars and then like learning either with them or just taking apart cars. I mean, my dad had me buy, um, a, I bought a $500 Mark III that was a crashed car as a parts car because I needed a few parts of it. But like my dad and I talked about it and he was like, yeah, buy it and then take the whole thing apart. And then like, you'll know your car, like you'll, you'll understand how it went together. Cause you know, I was like, you know, 19 years old. Right. And I, I took this apart in an alleyway in Queens and basically left it outside my, my parents house, you know, for like a year until I finally got to, you know, finally disposed of it. My neighbors hated, hated my parents for it, but it was a, a learning <laughs> lesson. But like now you can just like search in like this, this, and you'll watch a video of it. Yeah. But sometimes a video, like, like I don't need to watch something for 20 minutes to like know where the like which like you know which fuse it is like right. and there's nothing simple anymore you can't like skim anymore everything's like everything's a 20 minute video I say this being a guy who makes videos well yeah well the other <laughs> the thing that scares me about YouTube too is is going the same way listen to Farah's podcast the other day and he was complaining about how like if he does the wrong video like electrics or bikes or whatever it doesn't quite hit the, the algorithm and so like in order to 
to make the mm-hmm. income, right? Like you gotta, and I, and I worry that like so many, I feel like in the day we were doing the website just because we thought it was good and as curators. And like, there's so many artists like that on YouTube, but once you start to actually make money and rely on it, then yeah. you're, I mean, I'm curious what you think about this because you guys are in the heat of that. You, you have other business yeah. to rely on, but like, if you're not hitting the right algorithm or algorithmical, whatever attention, then, you know, it, it's a dud. And yet, so do you adjust your art to only hit the algorithm or do you, do you, do you just keep doing the art for what you think is right and curating what you think is right versus, uh, I, I can't think that you're making millions of dollars on Coop Quattro. So I think I didn't know the answer for you, <laughs> but, but yeah, like, it, it is a, it's a, it's a serious compromise because yeah. if there are guys out there where that all they do is play the algorithm. Right? right. And because of that, you know, they have, you know, they, they've got more views than us and they've grown, you know, they've been able to grow either faster than us or surpass us or whatever, because they literally just make content that serves the algorithm. And like, we have had conversations internally here about that and you know uh teague who's our our content director he just said to me one day he's like is that the content you want to make like do you want do you want to come to work and make that yeah and like we made this decision about two and a half years ago that we were going to stop chasing that type of content two things we decided to stop chasing one is like clickbait content right even though like right. we've never been clickbaity but the t- like where you're literally making content just to make a good thumbnail Right. instead of making content that people want to watch right yeah and because people who make content that make a good thumbnail like they do 20 million views because that stuff works right right so we decided like we don't want to make that that's not the content it didn't make any of us happy so it kind of made it like a shitty place to work when you try to make that stuff and then the other one was like we didn't want to make content for clients that didn't that wasn't the type of content that our audience wanted to see Cause like we, we definitely went down that dark rabbit hole where you're like, you know, like, well, we're getting paid for this and you know, we're going to try to make it work. And you know, and it's like, yeah, you just, you know, it's not what you want to make. So it's like finding that compromise of like, this is a show we like making um, and our clients like it and are willing to advertise in it. And it also checks the box means that you live in, you know, if you can figure that rhythm out and it works, then like, right. show. so for us, this versus that has become that show. It's a very That's simple it. drag race show. It's very internet because it's very formulaic and I don't like formulaic. Like I want every single episode to be something new and different. I want it to be a different exploration every time I want, I want it to be an adventure. Like if you watch Carcane Abroad, like yeah. that's the type of content I want to make. Right. But you know, that did half the views of this versus that. Did it really? And yeah, and Carcane Abroad required us going to Germany for six days to film. No, it was and highly enjoyable. Five episodes of, of this versus that in one day. Yeah. You know, so it's like making that kind of content, but but you have to make both because right. there's an audience that will show up to watch this versus that every Monday, but then there's an audience that'll fall in love with the brand because you go out of your way to make content where three dudes go to Europe and go buy their dream cars, you know, like right. and drive them on the Nürburgring. Like and that's just, you know, and obviously that's the stuff I want to make. That stuff's fun, right? right. So it's, it's a fine line of making that stuff. And, um, but it's difficult. And it's difficult. It's easy for us because we're a company that doesn't depend entirely on YouTube, right? Like we do a lot of other stuff. So like for us, that's one of our verticals. But if you're like a content creator, right? all you're doing is YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. You become really, you get really, really like, you know, handcuffed by the algorithm. That's so. the concern, right? You look at like, 
like I, the people I watch the most or I'm most aware of, right? What you guys do, you have your uh, your additional business. Matt has his garage, right? Like Demuro has his his right. auction site. So like it, it's you don't have you have a patron, if you will, in your other business that will pay yeah. for the fun the the fun and cool stuff or the memorable stuff. I, yeah. But playing the algorithms. Yeah, it's, it, it's a tough one though. And like, you know, there's a certain amount of like content that, you know, if it if you work really hard at it and it doesn't do well, it's it's a bummer because you're like, man, we put so much work into this and it just didn't land. Right. And, and you know, and you're like, man, that sucks. And a lot of it hasn't has nothing to do with the audience liking it or not. It has to do with the algorithm, right? Yeah. I mean, there's times where we make content that doesn't do as well, but the engagement and the sentiment is 3x the stuff that does well, you know? And so, you know, you got to kind of have that fine line. So for us, it's like, you know, this versus that, we still really enjoy making that show. I think if we ever stop, enjoy it, stop enjoying it, we'll stop making it. Yeah. We launched our brand on a show called Daily Transmission, which was this thing we shot in the yard. And uh, we all, we really all stopped enjoying making it and everyone's like oh like why can't i bring bring that show back and it just didn't like after we had made the 200th episode of it it felt like we were acting like no right. one really wanted to show up and do it anymore and we just had this conversation as a group which was like we're we're kind of static we're doing the same thing and it's difficult because your audience will always tell you that they want to hear the first album again and yeah. again, and again play Freebird again yeah, I mean, yeah. that's just what they're going to want. But, like, at a certain point, like, you get frustrated. You don't want to make that anymore. And if you look at the, you know, you look at the Steve Jobs mentality. I read this once about Apple. He was like, don't make what the customer asks for. Make what you think the customer needs. And this was when, do you remember when, like, the little um, laptop computers were really big? They weren't called, not no netbooks. Remember when netbooks were big? Right. And everyone's like, Apple is going to make a netbook. <laughs> and I needed a netbook. And I was right. an Apple consumer because I, yeah. worked, I worked in magazines. I was totally. like, man, I need a netbook. I can't wait for Apple to release a netbook. And then they released this thing called the iPad. Yeah. And revolutionized the concept of tablets and everything. And that was this thing where everyone wanted them to make a netbook. And instead they made the iPad. And I think that like, whenever we look at content, it's always that. It's like, I know they're asking for daily transmission. And we and we've tried. We've been like, oh, let's try to reboot the show, and it just doesn't work the same way. Right. That it's like, let's just make, let's just keep making new stuff until there's something that checks the boxes for what they got out of that show. But it's a it's a new show. Right. right? Like, you just can't just keep rehashing an old yeah. show idea. More so. power to you, man. Because I think that's where things either get stale or I mean, you need from a business standpoint, you need something that pays the bills, right? Mm -hmm. So whether that's Jim Connor, whether that's you know yeah. the, the the apparel, or whether that's this versus that, you have it, but you're not married. You're you haven't married yourself to the same formulaic thing that just pushes the numbers. And I think that's where I mean, this could be a whole more macro media discussion, right? Yeah. But like you watch all the shit that's going on with like network news and everything else, it almost seems like all they do is like chase the more ridiculous stuff to to raise eyebrows to get the ratings to hit I mean, the. Oh, for sure. And look, <sighs> I, I this me. is this is bordering on probably not for this podcast but like <laughs> the the creation of the 24-hour news network will probably yeah. end the american experiment like I as hope gnarly not. as that is right What's but like the reality that we have to constantly keep people at this level of like yes. of this and but, it doesn't matter left or right like right. i mean both of you and i know which side we live on because we're facebook friends but like yeah. it doesn't matter 
which side you're on. Both sides are keeping everybody at full alert. Like our parents watch news at five o'clock. No, totally. Uh, so like, not everything was a panicking story. I've gotten like 37 notifications ow. today about what's happening in the Ukraine. <laughs> like, oh, really? I, I mean, it's probably important, but like they're all like, we definitely think that what we said before may now be true. I'm like, yeah, is yeah. that really news? Like, what is this level? Yeah. But Biden said saying, again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's our, I our feel like it's like crazy. It's like a drug addiction, right? Like you keep having to shoot up more to like make it feel and give a crap anymore. And like that's where that's where I, I appreciate artists who, who do it for the art versus like just constantly trying to up the ante and like yeah. you know. And it's it's definitely uh, a thing we talk about a lot internally. Like we have for we have wanted to make a podcast forever. Myself, especially, I, I love podcasts. I think there are I really enjoy listening to them. I enjoy being on them. Um, thank you for having me on yours. And uh, we've been wanting to make one, but there's also like like I've I've been struggling for like what it is to make because I don't want to just go out there and make the podcast that Matt Farah already does or something right. you know, it sure. needs to be something new and, and something different and you know and, and what that serves and I, I think I have that idea now and I, I think we'll probably do one later this year and you know it's it's realizing kind of what I really want to do and then understanding you know can I carve a certain niche for a certain audience and like you know Hoonigan's weird like in some ways like I, I know we're, we've gotten way broader I still think of ourselves as a really small company because I've been here since I was the only employee right and I, I do realize from the outside looking in it's like you know we seem a little bigger than that these days um but we've always tried to like super serve like a particular audience right like just really super serve like a niche and as we've grown what we've realized is is all, every person at Hoonigan is sort of a different niche and it was not intentional like it wasn't like we were like building a boy band and we're like here's gonna be our bmw guy and this guy's gonna be our rotary guy it just i like all cars right so like right. you know yes 11 of my 23 cars happen to be audis throwing a few volkswagens i own a lot no. of Volkswagen Audi you've got stuff. the rwv you've got the nova like but like i also right i also have a nova i've got old ford trucks like you know, I've been, I'm gonna buy something JDM if I can find something I fit in. Um, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that like, I, I really enjoy. And I, I just enjoy cars as culture. I like old hot rods and pre-war stuff and like I, weird stuff. And because of that, I find myself attracted to a lot of different people in the automotive industry. And because of that, I hired a lot of random people, right? Guys who like muscle cars, guys like this. Right. And as we grow, what we realize is, is like, that actually, we should just let each of those hosts do the stuff they want to do, right? So like when I go do Volkswagen Audi stuff, like I really enjoy it and our fan base sees that I enjoy it. Yeah, it's authentic. I get, I get comments all the time that are like, dude, I think your, your rabbit is super cool, even though I think Volkswagens are dumb, yeah. right? Like, because they just, they, they, they can see the authenticity that like, I really love this car. I, I sent a photo right. of my wife to me of the car and I'm like, I don't know why I enjoy driving this so much. Like I have a 911. Yeah. Like, but like, I love my rabbit. Like I, you know, and it's like, why it's like some weird nostalgia thing of, you know, whatever it is, but whatever it is works. And that's what we're starting to realize is like each person here kind of has their own role and the things they like. And the more you let those people be that and give them a world where they can make that type of content, the more it connects to a specific audience. And like, maybe every video doesn't need to be a million views right because you can really 
super serve an audience of 300,000 views who love Volkswagens and Audis. Like, well, now you've spoken to that crowd. And if Vinny can do that to the BMW guys or NSX guys, and Ron can do it to rally guys who geek out over Lancias and obviously hurt with drifting and, you know, and rotaries and, you know, and soupy with just like crazy fabrication stuff. Like everyone has a, an audience and it's like, I mean, this is going to be a really corny comparison, but it's like, you know, it's like why people like the Avengers, right? Like everybody right. has a different thing and you don't have to like all the characters. Like you could not like me but still right. watch Hoonigan because you enjoy Hurt, right? And right. That's like, we really sort of embraced that in the past two years of like, we, we do this new show called uh, Tangents, which is an old show that's been rebooted. But um, we, 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 we rebooted the name as a joke because it actually is not the same show at all. It's just the same name. Um, but the concept of it was to do an hour long show where each, where each employee gets like at least like five to 10 minutes of the show. Because oh. that way it becomes like this big smorgasbord of content. Yeah. So like in the next issue, in the next episode of it, which will come out in like the first week of March, I'm going to get my essay back from paint, like lower it on wheels and probably do my five, you know, my six speed swap. And, you know, like, that's it. And like, that's my little piece. Right. And it's, that's my daily driver. Like we wouldn't normally do a big thing on that. Cause it's not like a big build. It's just like, this right. is the car. I, I want to daily drive a 2002 S8 because the movie Ronin had a major effect on me as a car guy and also eventually as a filmmaker. And like, that's the story behind that car. Right. So like, and that's it. It only takes about five minutes to tell that story, you know, right. but, and then Ron has something else and, you know, and Hurt has something else. And like, we, we, we're really kind of leaning more into that piece of it because, you know, people buy people and people like the, the stuff that we do and, you know, and I think that the more you show that, like, you really care about this and you're not just doing it because, you know, everybody right now is talking about Broncos. Let's go buy a Ford Bronco. Although the new Ford Bronco is pretty damn good. But still, you know, like, right, right. That, that thing, right? Like, that's so much of the YouTube space, right? Like, oh, the new Z came out. Everybody's got to have a new Z. I'm not saying we won't get a new Z, but, like, right. you know, we were kind of involved in that with the Corvette C8. It was, like, everybody was getting a C8, and we had already had an order from GM for a C8. And then, like, ours showed up late. And, like, by the time it got here, it was, like, well, everyone else has already done, like, their Corvette stuff. And then we're, like, and I remember, like, the C8 showed up, and everyone was kind of, like, bummed because, like, we always should have had it eight months ago. And then you go and drive it. You're like, this thing is awesome. There's it's nothing like, to be bummed about here. Like, this is a right. cool car. But you get caught up in the, like, you know, why are you doing this? Are you doing it because, like, you actually think it's cool? Or yeah. are you doing it because it's what people want to watch? And you have to have a good mix because you can't just do stuff that you think is cool and no one else does. Right. Otherwise, every single episode would be, a, be a, would be about my Tracer. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that no, was but you're like the six subscribers, me yeah. and Poplin. No, fair point. Poplin VW, but yeah, <laughs> but you, you got to have instinct. But like to me, you can't teach passion or authenticity, right? Like that's something that like you either have or you don't. I can teach somebody to write. I can teach somebody to photograph. I can't teach like yeah. passion. That's you either get it or you don't. It's so true. It's yeah. So true. Anyway, are you still in? You're not in PA anymore, are you? I, I'm like an hour and a half from Jamie. Maybe not even that. Yeah. Where Let's are see. you? I'm in Hershey. Oh, you're in Hershey. Okay. So you're an hour and a half that direction. Yeah. I was asking because I'm, I'm coming home to, I got to go to a, to, a, to go visit Subaru in Cherry Hill to talk Jim Connor stuff. And I bought, I bought a GTI. Actually, 
I got a GTI from a friend of mine that was like sitting at his shop for 10 years and it was like a customer car and the customer abandoned the car. He's like, if you want to deal with the, you know, the lean sale on it, you can take it. Right. So it's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. And it's like a mint 1983 GTI with like 70,000 miles on it and like runs and drives. So I'm going to fly into New York, drive that down to my meeting at Subaru and then um, probably go visit Jamie and then go see my parents because my parents are, are in New Hope. Okay. So, so uh, but uh, yeah, I'll let you know if you want to yeah, come head out to Jamie's and catch up. So. We'll definitely stop down. I'm close. Percy's a little far for me because nah, my cool. parents are in New Hope. Mark one. But, yeah. but he's in what, Pottstown or whatever? Yeah, like, that's it's not too that's bad. A, it's a good in between. So totally. He didn't you know do Brian, it for long. What'd you say? Brian Joslin? Did you know Brian? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah, Brian, yeah. he's doing the rover he's doing the rover magazine now right no that, that unfortunately his partners and he didn't really see their the the same mission so they kind of split up and uh, uh, it fell off but he's little. he's running a, a restoration shop in i guess they have two locations one's in Pottstown and maybe the other one's in doylestown it's called ragtops and roadsters like some oh, he's got like a guy he's like living abroad right now but the guy's got like oh, a nice. Del, delta integrale evo and like i think it's a one um and like a bunch of other stuff. And he bought these two shops and he needed somebody to run them. So Brian's running those now. So I, th- I think he's doing a podcast too. I'll have to, I'll have to hit him up because uh, I mean, my parents are like 20 minutes from Doylestown. So that's right. Man. Cool, man. Well, this is, uh, this has been super fun. Um, yeah. Sorry if I talked for too long. No, so. I really enjoyed it. would love to catch up with you again sometime. Thanks for oh, yeah, man. Audi club cool. podcast yeah. is a very small niche. <laughs> so like when you talk <laughs> podcasts, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. I can talk Audis forever. So, yeah. like, trust me, this is like part one. This is part one of volume one. Like, yeah. we can go, we can go on and on. We didn't even get into into yeah. a lot of stuff. So, cool. cool. I mean, we still got to talk. I mean, well, the next thing we should talk about is when when we release Electricon, because that'll be. I had that on be, my list. We never got there, but I'd love to. Yeah, and more yeah. about Electron and. I mean, the quick on Electricana is the film will be coming out this summer. Um, obviously, you guys have seen the car, the Unitron. Yeah um it's a i've seen it run it's it's a monster um uh, a little a little hint it's not quiet i think no. everyone's expecting to be like it sound like you know an rsc tron gt where it just hums no it, yeah. it makes a racket it's because there's awesome it's a lot it's yeah. a lot of things in there to make noise um not an engine but a motor but uh it's it, it's interesting look i'm i'm I will say this, I, I will forever love the sound of a combustion engine, but I've also driven an RSC Tron GT on track and it's yeah. like really impressive what instant torque can do. Yeah. Um, but I also got to watch an electric car built for Gymkhana by a factory, right? Like think about this, like, uh, like, like as a personal moment, right? Like watching like Audi, which is my favorite brand, yeah. build a Gymkhana specific vehicle and unveil it to us. It was like mind blowing to think like the, first of all, the amount of money that they spent on building yeah. the car, but that a factory effort built something for like basically making a film. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that was the purpose around it and realizing the things you can do with electric that you couldn't do with petrol is like, is really, really, really interesting. And just watching the way that the car moves is different because of that interesting work right because of you know how you can modulate power to wheels like it can do things that we couldn't do 
in the cards previously. So that's all I'm going to give away. All right. I'll come back on and we can talk about this once the film drops. Would love to. Really quick, before you go on that, seeing you go through what most recently the design center with Hoonatron and Lichty, you know, talking all through that with you guys, or whether it's been without a tradition running those cards, it's been a pleasure to watch because it's got to be like, I know how mind blowing it is for you. And, and like, oh, yeah. it's mind blowing for me watching. And I've been a lot of those, I've not been at the design center, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's such a fantastic thing seeing you get that too. And if there's anybody who's more deserving of it, I don't know who that is. Like, it's, uh, it's great I, to watch. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, at the design center, they showed me the next uh, seven years of Audi Did they? and I wasn't ready for it. Like, I, I didn't know, like, it was one of those, like, I'm the kind of person who, like, doesn't want to open all his presents on Christmas because I want right. to see it. Yeah. And, like, I got to see, I can't even say what I got to see. Right. But I got to see, like, the next, like, four generations of, like, actual full-size clay model cars. And I was like, oh, like, I've just seen into the future. Like, I don't know if I even wanted to see that. Right. Yeah. You bet. Well, yeah. Is it, like, meaning of heroes? I don't know. Like, but it's. Yeah, it was like, no, I mean, it's it's all awesome. Like, yeah. honestly. There's a there's two cars that are coming up that I'm like so surprised they're building and extremely excited to hear that they will be coming to North American market as well. But like they're just like it's insane to see it and then to be like, well, now I got nothing to look forward to. Like, okay, it's coming. like the surprise is gone. Yeah, it's like the longest embargo. It's like I'm embargoed. Like I was a journalist. I'm used to being embargoed right. for like 90 days. Yeah. I'm embargoed for seven years right now. Yeah. Like it's it's a lot. But yeah. Yeah. And a, a small little tidbit, a little fun fact. If you watched the first time I went to Audi Tradition, which was like two years ago, we were out there at the Nürburgring and we I called up my friend Ruven at Audi and I said, uh, you know, hey, can I can I come by? Can I can I come visit? He's like, oh, I'll put together a little plan for you, a little something special. So I show up and, you know, they let me drive an R8, which, you know, it's cool. I've driven R8s, but right. it's cool that they had an R8 for me. And then we got to tour all of Tradition. And at the end, they let me drive that, like, one of one. The RS2. Of, like, that RS2 and that crazy color, you know, yeah. which was which was super rad. But the thing no one knows about that day is they also had me meet with, the cur- with at the time, the current CMO. And that was where the conversation on Kent started. Oh, no joke. Sitting there just shooting the shit. We were just talking about Hoonigan. And I just said, you know, I mean, if you guys ever wanted to do something with Ken, I think that's probably something we could work out in the future. So that video is basically the day that the Ken Block and Audi conversation started. It was like two years in the making. How great is that? Yeah. So it was this. And if it, I wasn't even planning on going there. We were, we were at the Nürburgring for the 24 hour race. And then we went to Berlin to go hang out. And I was like, hey out like you know we could go swing by audi like you know ruben's there we can go like tour you guys mind like sure let's go drive 140 miles an hour for 10 hours straight on the autobahn to get to ingolstadt and if we never made that drive i don't know you know this conversation be happening it was it was was just all things lined up at once and it worked out well so yeah well thanks for doing it yeah, we all we all appreciate your time making that tying <laughs> that. Work, I'm working hard to bring up the value of old Audis for all of us. There you all go. Guys who got the who've who've been dealing with them in the you know in their garages forever. So oh, well, and but the number one thing I'm working on for everyone listening, I am trying very hard to get Audi tradition to be a thing in America, but it is it's it's a lot harder than I think anyone realizes for like things way above all of our pay grades so. yeah let's talk on that if there's a way for us to hit it on the other side i'm aware of some stuff out of america too but yeah, yeah. they want to like, tradition yeah. wants to it just 
it's figuring out how it all works, you know? Yeah. So it'll come. I mean, things like Porsche classic, I think are helping pave that way. So. All right, man. Ugh, you anyway. gave me a lot of time. Right, thank dude. you so much. Thank you. I'll talk Take to you care. later. Bye.